we, we covered a lot of things that we saw in that video. We saw Jesus be born. We saw the shepherds come to him. And now we're going to start looking at Jesus' public ministry. But right before we do that, we actually see Jesus spending some time um, preparing. And we're going to look at that today and next week. He took some time to be prepared for the ministry that was going to come, the work that was going to come. If you have your Bibles, we're only going to be reading two verses. Uh, open up your Bibles to the book of Luke. It is, again, towards the end of your Bible, if you have a physical Bible. Otherwise, in your um, Bible app, it is towards the end. But it's also, it, it's, it's after Mark, before John, after Matthew. And I hope you find it. Otherwise, it will be on the screen, and that could be helpful. And it's also within your, your notes. Um, and feel free to take note, draw up stuff. Sometimes it is kind of hard to see some of the notes that are up here. But if you hear something, you don't have to copy exactly what I wrote. But just whatever helps you as I'm speaking, whatever catches your attention, um, I hope you write that down and keep that written. But John 3, uh, Luke 3, sorry, I just saw John the Baptist, that's why I thought about John. But Luke 3, uh, verse 21, and I'll be reading from verse 21 to verse 22, just two verses. And it says this, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Many people have their opinions on who Jesus was. Maybe you have your own opinions. And as we start a new year, I think that it is critical, it is essential, imperative to see what the Bible has to say concerning Jesus. Having the right view of Jesus can help us as we begin to walk into 2021. Today, we will see who God himself thought Jesus was. Who did God think Jesus was? And the passage that we read, in, read today, there's a big difference from the passage that we read today and the passage that we read back in Christmas. Last time we saw Jesus when he was just born, an infant. And now Jesus is an adult. A lot of time has passed in the life of Jesus. When we focused on Luke back during Christmas, we saw the birth of Christ. But now, Jesus is in his 30s. While Jesus was in his 30s, there was this form of religious revival taking place in the land of Judea. The land where Jesus was at while he was in his 30s. A cousin of Jesus, John... He was Elizabeth's son. He was leading a religious revival. He wanted people to return to God. There was a spiritual 
revival that was taking place. And John baptized the masses, a sign of the renewed devotion to God. Jesus then came to the scene. He came and was baptized by John. Jesus didn't need to renew his relationship with God. Still, he wanted to support the work, ministry, and the revival that his cousin John was leading. And Jesus was identifying himself with those whom he came to save. After Jesus was baptized, he began to pray. Prayer was an essential practice for Jesus. As we will see in our time with Luke, Jesus would regularly pray especially in critical moments of his life. His baptism happened to be a critical moment, and therefore, Jesus prayed. And as followers of Jesus, we should pray. I encourage you to take this month, as we start a new year, I I encourage you to join us in prayer. Every day, as Elida mentioned, we will have a different emphasis to pray about. You could see it within your notes behind the, the scripture note paper. You see there's a calendar. And right there you find that there are different days that we focus on different themes that we're going to be praying about. And take some time. I know many of us may not have that much practice. It is a discipline. And with any discipline, there is a need for practice. And if it takes five minutes in the morning that you pray You give thanks to God and then you pray about the theme. Do that and build upon that. And I I believe that just as Jesus was blessed by prayer, you will be blessed by prayer. Jesus prayed. His disciples prayed. And so should we. Now, As Jesus was praying, was speaking to God in prayer, the heavens opened. The heavens opening was a common event within the Bible. It would happen whenever something was going to be revealed. It was reminiscent of the exodus of when the nation of Israel left Egypt. And then they went to Mount Sinai where Moses met with God and the heavens would open and God would be with Moses. And sometimes even God's fire would fall from the open heavens. When the heavens opened, this time, the Holy Spirit descended. This is also reminiscent of the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, when the church started, like Jesus, the disciples, his followers, they prayed. And the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit fell. Luke is showing a link between prayer and the Holy Spirit. Jesus prayed, the heavens opened, and the Spirit fell. The disciples prayed on the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit fell as well. Well... You might have this question, what is the Holy Spirit? Or rather, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God's Spirit. We first see it in Genesis 
1, 1 through 2. In the very beginning, the first page of your Bible, Genesis 1, 1 through 2, we see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. Since the beginning, God interacted with this world through his spirit. Then we see the spirit empower people in the Old Testament. If you go to Exodus 3, 1 through 5, you find this character named Bezalel, a, a builder. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do specific tasks. Look what it says. It says in Exodus <clears throat> Exodus 31, 1 through 5 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. It's kind of interesting to see how the Spirit can empower people in different ways. It's not always in churchy stuff, but as we see here, the Spirit can empower people to work in craftsmanship. Then in Isaiah 11 too, there is a prophecy of a son of David. David was a great king, as most of us know. And this son would receive the spirit of wisdom and power. Look at Isaiah 11 too. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And now we are seeing the fulfillment of this. The spirit that we saw in Genesis has descended on Jesus. God is going to work through Jesus. Jesus has the spirit of the Lord. The spirit has empowered and anointed Jesus. Jesus is full of wisdom and has power and knowledge and he understands all things. While Jesus had been anointed by the Spirit, however, this does not mean that Jesus was suddenly adopted as the Son of God. As we saw in the Nativity story, Jesus was already the Son of God at birth. The Spirit descending was a public, visible sign. The Spirit had descended. It was a visible sign. It was in bodily form like a dove. It was a sign of God anointing Jesus. God was selecting and preparing Jesus for the ministry that was to come. And then there was a voice from heaven. This was the voice from God himself. He said, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. God used two prophetic biblical verses written centuries ago to describe his relationship 
with Jesus and to identify Jesus. Who did God think Jesus was? Well, to answer the question, God quoted Psalm 2-7 and Isaiah 42-1. The first part of the declaration, you are my son, comes from Psalm 2-7. And the second part, with you I am well pleased, is from Isaiah 42-1. Psalm 2-7 says, I will, de- I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. This was a messianic prophecy. It was a prophecy talking about the future, about this future king who would come. The people of Israel were waiting for a king hundreds of years ago, before Jesus Christ even came to the scene. This was a verse That the Israelites would read over their kings at the coronation ceremonies. And they would do this because they had expectations for the true king who would come to bring peace and restoration. They would read this verse, say it over the kings, and they were hoping that finally God's king had arrived. And at baptism, at the baptism of Jesus... God is the one who declares, who coronates Jesus and says that he is his son. As God's son, Jesus is the awaited king. Jesus is the Davidic king, the one that would come from David, who is God's earthly representative. Jesus fulfills the long-awaited hopes. He is the hope. This world needs and needed. And God also quoted Isaiah 42.1. He said, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. The prophet Isaiah spoke of a future servant of God. In other verses, the prophet spoke about how the future servant would suffer. But here we see that the servant is God's chosen one in whom God delights. And God would put his spirit on him and his servant would bring justice. And at Jesus' baptism, we see God's spirit descend on Jesus. We see that God is genuinely pleased with Jesus. He delights in him. This is central as we continue to look at Jesus. When we see Jesus do his miracles, we must see that before he started his ministry, Jesus was already God's son. God had already delighted in him. Jesus was born as God's son. And we saw with the angel Gabriel and Mary that Jesus is the Son of God. With the angels and the shepherds, we saw that Jesus is God's Son. And now again, we see that Jesus is the Son of God. At Jesus' baptism, we see God himself declare that Jesus is the Son of God. God's words here are... And unimpeachable, they, they, they can't be refuted. 
that God puts it in such a way that he's declaring and making you choose the identity of Jesus, whether you accept what God is saying concerning Jesus or not. He makes a declaration of who Jesus is and his, his identity and his, his mission. Jesus is God's servant and son who fulfills God's purpose and mission of redemption and establishing peace with justice. This is the promise of old. God would have a son on earth who would bring a peaceful kingdom. In the beginning, as we all know and should recognize, humanity had fallen. But God had always had a plan that he would send his son, a human one, who would come and restore us, bring peace to this world. And now Luke is challenging us. He is putting us at a crossroad. Will we decide to join Elizabeth, the angels, and God himself by recognizing and affirming Jesus' identity as the Son of God? Or will we oppose Luke, the angels, and even God himself by maybe saying that Jesus is not the Son of God? And I understand if you have your own opinions, you're still welcome to come and we're here with you through this journey. But Luke makes it clear that he perceived that God himself recognized that Jesus was the Son of God. And everything that follows comes from the fact of Jesus' identity, that he is the Son of God. Now, because Jesus has come on a mission, on God's behalf, because this has occurred, forgiveness is now possible. We are able to be restored, redeemed, back with God as God had originally intended it to be. Look at this perspective. This is from Origen. He wrote this maybe... 200 years after Jesus. And he said this, The Lord was baptized. The heavens were opened. The Holy Spirit came down upon him. A voice from the heavens thundered and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We should say that heaven was opened at the baptism of Jesus and for the plan of Forgiving sins. Jesus is God's son. And as his son, he was faithful to his father. Jesus did the will of his father by dying on a cross and taking our sins upon that cross. Today, I pray that you would see Jesus as God's faithful son just as God himself declared it. Not everybody recognizes Jesus' divine sonship. And next week we'll look at the enemy who challenged this 
claim, this declaration. But I pray that today you would answer the question, who is Jesus, by saying what God said. That Jesus is the Son of God. And if you need any help, feel free to talk to anybody of the, from this church. Feel free to talk to me, to Elida. Feel free to just talk to anybody. The church is available here to talk it through because it is a large claim. But I do pray and hope that you do recognize the sonship of Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God. Right there where you're at, if you could close your eyes and bow your heads as we get ready to move to the next part of today's service. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for what you have done in our lives. I pray that today we may join you in recognizing the identity of Jesus. We call ourselves Christians. We call ourselves followers of Jesus. And therefore, we should know who Jesus is. And according to you, God, Jesus is your son. And I pray that all of us may wholeheartedly believe that. Jesus, you are the Son of God. And as the Son, you came, you did the will of the Father by dying on that cross. You also came to do the will of God by bringing peace and justice and restoration. And I pray that we may start this journey, 2021, the declaration that Jesus, you are the Son of God. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.